there's more to this life than I thought. And James inspires me. The things he says have encouraged me. It's like there's a walk, there's a path, and it's leading to something more real than I've ever known before, and it's exciting. I get around James and I hear things that help me in my life, my work. This work he talks about has become my work. I am excited about the possibility that other people could be affected, other people could be inspired to work on themselves, to grow, to, to realize there's more to this life. I want to talk about equipoise. Equipoise is a great, you know how I love words. Equipoise is a great word. And so I want to talk about equipoise. You know, I was at a Vietnamese restaurant. You know, we have one of the best Vietnamese restaurants in the whole county here in Vista. It's been written up all over the place and yada, yada, yada. I was at this Vietnamese restaurant and I was talking to the, the people who run it are obviously Vietnamese. Well, that's what everyone would think, wouldn't they? Well, it's a Vietnamese restaurant. They must be Vietnamese. The problem is, is not everybody there is Vietnamese. There are Koreans and there are Chinese and there are Japanese and who all, you know, people from Thailand. Who all know? And so I said to the, to the woman who, who owns the place, you know, they say that to white people, all black people look alike. And I've heard black people say, well, to black people, all white people look alike. Well, I said, well, so, you know, to us, kind of all Asians look alike. And she says, well, they do to us, too. I said, oh. I said, I said what? <laughs> I said, you can't tell the difference? She goes, no. She said, I can't tell Korean from Chinese from Vietnamese. I said, really? I said, I think I can tell. She says, oh, yeah? How about those people over there? What do you think they are? I said, oh, they're definitely this. She said, no, they're definitely that. She said, I know them. They're definitely not that. I said, really? She goes, yeah, really. She said, no, I couldn't tell. She said, I cannot tell by looking at them. So I thought that was very funny. But this is how it is for people. We look at each other and we go, oh, well, they're clearly different. And if you really start looking at people, if you really start looking at black people, if you really start looking at oriental people, you will start to see differences. But it takes real effort because we don't look at people. Our world is moving toward homogenization. To homogenize means to make uniform or similar. We see it with politically correct speech and the philosophy behind it. If we can make everything out here look good, it'll all be fine. If we can make everything out here orderly, then it'll all be fine. Totally ignoring the inside. And the problem is, is it works a little bit. Just a little bit. It's like painting a pig gold. It's like, well, that's a really valuable, pretty gold pig. But you scratch that very thin veneer of paint and there's still a pig underneath. The Bible says it another way, like putting a gold ring in a pig's snout. You won't say what it is because women of the world get very annoyed if you ever say anything about women. They just get all annoyed. Women are now have rights, so they have the right to be negative. They had the right to be upset. They have the right to tell you that they have rights. And, you know, and so it's like, yeah, whatever. Okay, so have your rights, you dummy. That'll bring a lot of happy talk my way now. <laughs> the lie being, if you change what you call something, it changes that thing. We're all about changing things and leaving ourselves untouched. We're all about lying. That's what we're all about. We're all, look at the way you dress. You're all about lying. You're all about looking good. You're all about showing off whatever it is you think is your best asset and covering up whatever you think is not. Yeah? Why? Because that's what we're about. We're about looks. We're about the superficial outside of things. Why? Well, it's because other people are that way and I have to live in the world. Yeah, right. It's about other people. Right. And you believe that. You know, you actually believe that. That's the amazing thing. The homogenization is about taking everyone at the same level. False personality loves this because it only has to be superior to one, everyone else. If everybody's the same, then it's easy. False personality just is superior to everyone else. Look at them all. They're sheep. 
The masses are asses. Look at them all. They're a bunch of idiots. They're a bunch of machines. At least I'm a little bit awake. I may not be that much better, but I don't have to be that much better. They don't hold the bar very high. Look at them. This sound familiar? Sounds familiar to a couple of you. You're smiling, so that's good. The pendulum swings from homogenization to differences and back again. We can't live with either, so we rock the swing to the other side. You know, you look at kids in school. I love kids in high school when they start to get independent. And you look at them, and they're all wearing shorts that are really pants that are just like so baggy. They're just wearing high waters. They're like pants. They're really baggy pants, but they come almost to their ankles. And they're all wearing this, and they're all being individuals. You know, they're all expressing their individuality. And they are absolutely oblivious to the fact that they are conforming to what people are selling in stores, what everybody else is wearing. They have no clue that they look just like, that we can't tell them apart, that they look just like all the other high school students. You look at the girls, they all wear the same makeup. They all have the, we go through periods where they have, what do they call it, perms. And their hair is all boink. And then they go through periods where they iron their hair. And the people who have curly hair are in style when the perms come around. And the people who have straight hair are in style when the ironing comes around. And then they get their five minutes of fame, you know. Oh, your hair is naturally curly. That's so wonderful. I have to go and have mine done every three months or whatever. Oh, your hair is naturally straight. Oh, that must be so wonderful. Mine just kinks. If the humidity rises above 2%, my hair goes boink. It's like that. People are just never satisfied. And so we constantly want to swing back and forth on the pendulum. Okay, well, it's bell bottoms this week. Oh, well, it's stove pipes this week, this month, or this year, or whatever. And so it's like that's what we do. The pendulum swings from homogenization to differences and back again. People are fundamentally different. And even when having the same form, we must discern the differences from one another. So we all have the same form. Look at us. We all basically have the same form. So you can look at people and say, people. Well, people are like this and people are like that. But in this work, you must discern the differences. You must see individuals. You cannot see people. You have to see individuals. You can't afford to just homogenize. You can't afford that. The work teaches that there are seven categories of man. Men numbers one through three being mechanical mankind. They're divided according to the development of their centers. So, for example, man number one is the moving instinctive, moving and instinctive, or moving or instinctive center. And someone who finds that that center is more developed than their other centers, the work calls man number one. Then there's man number two, and that's the emotional center. And man number three is the intellectual center. All three are undeveloped and mechanical, because all three are not balanced. That is, they are either one, two, or three predominantly. It doesn't mean totally, but predominantly. That is their most developed center. So in a sense, they're kind of lopsided. A main thrust of this work is the development of man number four. Now, man number four is called balanced man, equipoised. All these things I chide you about practicing lead to this development. All these things that I'm constantly trying to get you to do, all of these things lead to this development of man number four. You insist that just getting the information is all that it takes, that stuffing more into your intellectual center, that stuffing more into your intellectual memory is all it takes. And I insist that you have to do something with it, that it's time to stop stuffing things into your intellectual center and to start actually practicing them. But it's easier to stuff things into the intellectual center than it is to practice because it takes no effort to stuff things into the intellectual center. You can just sit there and let it fall into your head. 
this is spaced repetition, so it's repeated so many times that eventually everybody gets it. If they're even slightly here, eventually everybody gets it. If you have any kind of interest at all in it, and of course our interest in it is usually false personality. False personality is interested in the work to see what it can do with it, how it can use it, how it can make itself bigger, smarter, more clever, more superior than other people. So just know that that's who is operating the work in you. That it falls in false personality. False personality is using it. And that's how it has to be. There isn't anything else. That's how it has to be. So observing I comes from false personality. And that's the beginning of this. When you start to separate, you start to have an eye that looks at the other eyes, and that eye then becomes observing eye. It doesn't necessarily have to be a very nice eye. (laughs) It's like we think, oh, this is the good eye. No, not necessarily. It could be really nasty, as you know, because you have observed yourself and been really nasty with what you found. Really judgmental, really negative, really nasty, and want to put them in their place, annihilate them, and do this and do that. It's not a good work principle, but it's where we have to start. And you just have to start somewhere. It's like, well, the best place to start is where you are. And where you are is you're a beast. You're a a violent, negative beast. And you want to be king of the jungle. And the only way you know to be king of the jungle is to eat everybody else, to kill everybody else. And so that's what internally we're doing all the time. But we lie about it because... That doesn't look good. That doesn't fit our homogenization of the world, where we all look good, where everybody looks good, everybody has politically correct speech, and everybody does the right thing and says the right thing, and you let the person out in line, and you let the person do this, and you let the person do that, because that's the good, right, kind, loving thing to do. When inside you're seething with rage and anger, and you want to, well, you know, you know. I don't have to tell you what you know. So this development demands a deep study of yourself as being unbalanced. So here we are. You need to study yourself. But what you want to study is what a wonderful person you are and how talented you are and how many nice things you've done and how kind you are and how many good thoughts you have and how many good things you've done. But this works as, no, you must study yourself as an unbalanced machine. Oh, well, I don't think I like that. You got anything else? Yeah, there's lots else. That's why there's nobody in this room, relatively, compared to the people who are packed into some church where they're blowing smoke, where they have mirrors and smoke and... (laughs) craziness music and things flashing on the screen and commercials and oh my god you know it's like so bizarre when you think about it it's like oh my god it's a circus you know it's just this circus for the false personality and essence is in there screaming oh my god get me out of here but it can't hear anything because all the music is so loud (laughs) you know and it's that way on purpose to distract you, to distract you, to hypnotize you, to keep you to sleep. You see, the false personality has made these franchises all over the earth. They're just little slaughterhouses. That's all they are. They lead people into these slaughterhouses and then they just bleed them. You know, they take their wool, they take their meat, they bleed them. They, that's what this is all about. It's just a slaughterhouse. It's just about a place to harvest this energy, this force that something bigger than us needs and wants. And this work comes along and says, you don't have to go in there and you don't have to do that. So then what happens is this work becomes one of the slaughterhouses then. And everybody comes in here and they go, oh, well, we're better than them. And we're, and that's just the wrong way. No, no, no. You need to be studying that you are an unbalanced machine. Not how wonderful you are and how better you are than all of them, but how you are just like them. You are an unbalanced machine, and you will be food for the moon as well if you don't do something about it. But you can't do anything. Well, now we have a problem. Uh, I have to do something about it, but I can't do anything. Most will not take the first step of wounding their self-love with the idea of being unbalanced to this degree. Most people are not going to even 
listen to this nonsense. Their self-love is going to be wounded. I'm going to be negative. They're going to say horrible things and they're going to go away self-righteous and intact. Fine. I don't have to deal with them. I don't have to get out the mallet and try to crack their little shell, little fragile shell. You know, it's like those guys who uh, cut diamonds. You know, diamonds hard. And there has to be, you know, these guys have a way of just finding a point on a diamond and just going and giving it a little tap and it just shatters. Did you know that? Yeah. That's how they start cutting diamonds. They fracture them, basically, and they just split in certain ways. Anyway, that's what this is about. It's about just giving it the right tap at the right place so that you get fractured, so that it lets a little bit of light in, lets a little bit of the light of consciousness in, and then you can start to work. Then something gets inside of you. You start to see something. There's something to separate from. You start to see some of your dark side. You start to see some of your contradictions. And if you can handle it, if you have the courage for it, if you have the valuation for it, you'll stay and you'll want to work and you will work. And that happens sometimes. It's rare. It's rare, 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 but it does happen. So I'm excited when it happens. If you're the handyman, the bike racer, the sports star, the guy who gets paid what? What did they pay? $20 million a year for throwing a ball through a basket hoops or a guy who does this or does that. If you're one of those guys, you're man number one. You make $20 million a year and you wear Armani suits. You have a private jet. You're man number one. You're part of mechanical mankind. Oh, no! If you're the president of the United States, you're man number three. You're man number three. You're a mechanical man. You're part of the mechanical circle of humanity. No, he's the president. He's, that's why I don't want to be. I want to be the... Well, nobody wants to be president anymore. But I, mean, I mean, only the dead people do, but you don't, right? Anybody here want to be president? Thank God for that. Of anything? Yeah, come on. You want to be president of the Rotary Club? or What is that thing you used to go to? Toastmasters. Toastmasters. You don't want to be president of Toastmasters. What happened? You wanted to be the superstar of Toastmasters, didn't you? It's just not there anymore. Oh, okay. But it was there. Oh, yeah. <laughs> All right. <laughs> I'm just checking, see? And people say we don't change. But I say you have changed, you know? You're worse now. You Really, you're worse. In the world's eyes, you're worse. Yeah. You know, you're not as successful as you were. But in the work's eyes, look at how much more successful you are. You know, there are people who actually think that I'm successful. I just think this is hilarious. They have given me celebrity status that I just roar. I think, oh, yeah, right. That's just really funny. You would last here about five minutes. You would last in this room about five minutes. Okay, maybe five times. We had people who came five times, didn't we? That's a regular thing. Yeah, we're, we're, we're a lot more lenient than we used to be. <laughs> yeah, that's true. We even let people come in now. Yeah. So you're man number one. You're the handyman, the bike racer, the sports star. You're, you're man number one. You've developed your moving center with the emotional center and the intellectual center underdeveloped or undeveloped. You're boring and one-sided. Just like me, boring and one-sided. I mean, think about it. Do you know anybody more boring than me? And you know what I'm going to talk about. And when I talk about it, you knew I was going to talk about it. And when I talk about it, you knew it all. Yeah, that's right. That's right. You sit there. Yeah, that's right. I knew that. Yeah. Now, how boring can that be? And yet you keep coming back. Why is that? Well, I don't know. I feel sorry for you. <laughs> Whatever. So you look at it. If you're always reading and studying intellectually, your moving center may well remain undeveloped. So if you're studying, look at these nerds. Poindexter. You know who Poindexter is? One who looks and acts like a nerd but does not possess the supernatural intelligence of a nerd. That's what the dictionary called Poindexter. Poindexter was a professor, Poindexter and something or other. Anyway, so Poindexter has become this name for nerds, for intellectuals. And they're always like skinny and weak, you know, the 90s 
six pound weaklings or the 97 pound weaklings, whatever, you know, that get sand kicked in their face at the beach and never get the girl and yada, yada, yada. But now they create social networks and become multimillionaires. So now it's like, yeah, I want to be a nerd, man, because that's going to make me a lot of money. And then if I got a lot of money, well, there won't be any problem with women, will there? Who said no? Well, you're in trouble now. They're not shallow like that. Women are the only truly deep people on earth there. Did that sound sarcastic? It wasn't meant to hurt anybody. It is, it is facetious, though. It is deliberately flippant and uh, absurd because it is certainly not true because men and women are basically the same in that we are all asleep on this planet. If you're always feeling everything emotionally, you're taking life through the emotional center. You'll be very sensitive to how room feels. You'll come into a room and you'll feel the space of it. You'll know what people are, you'll feel, you'll sense what people are feeling and thinking and where they're at. You know this one? So you're basically living life through the emotional center. And what will happen is you'll be full of mechanical likes and dislikes. So someone here will say this or do that, and you'll be full of instant dislike over it. Or someone over there will say that, and you'll be full of instant like for it. And you'll have no control over it whatsoever. You'll just instantly be that way because you'll be flipping back and forth because you're in this part of the emotional center that just goes back and forth. It likes and dislikes mechanically. And then what will happen is you'll have a difficult time with others. You'll find that you have a very difficult time with other people. You won't do well in the workplace. You won't do well at home. You won't do well in groups. In fact, you won't do well anywhere because you'll have a hard time with people because you'll always be feeling them. And when you're feeling them, you'll be liking them or disliking them. And you'll be wearing your heart on your sleeve and you're going to have a tough life like that. And the reason is because your emotional center is developed and in this way, but your other centers are not developed. So you're an unbalanced machine. And this is what we need to be seeing about ourselves. But of course, we don't like seeing these things about ourselves. Being one-sided and out of balance makes life more difficult than it needs to be, creates useless, unnecessary suffering as you ride the pendulum in short bursts. What does that mean, ride the pendulum in short bursts? Like a metronome. You know, a metronome can go... And if you move that little slider up, it goes. And you move it up some more, it goes. Move it up some more, it goes. It can really go. And metronomes can really cook. So it's like that. You ride the pendulum like a metronome in short bursts. I like, I don't like, I like, I don't like. Back and forth, back and forth, back and forth. An aim of this work is to develop your undeveloped or your underdeveloped centers. An aim means one of the main aims in this work is to develop your undeveloped or your underdeveloped centers. Because we tend to take the line of least resistance, this is unpleasant. It's unpleasant because it takes effort, efforts that we do not normally wish to make. We have to have some kind of valuation for this. You've got to somehow think that this is a valuable thing or else you're not going to make the effort. And that valuation usually comes from some horrible sense of your screwed upness. <laughs> you know, it just comes in, it, it's the only thing that gives us any valuation. It's like we just see the horror of our situation. We see the terror of the situation. We see the, the hopelessness of our situation. And that shocks us, gives us this conscious shock, shocks us into going, oh my God, there's got to be a way out of this. And the work says there is. And then we say, well, tell me what it is. Tell me what it is. Well, that's just the beginning. Knowing what it is isn't going to be enough. You're going to have to do something. What do I have to do? I don't have to kill anybody, do I? Well, I mean, you know, nobody that I don't want to kill. <laughs> no, you don't have to kill anybody. <laughs> yeah, we all want to kill people, but we lie about it all the time. We just say, well, I just don't like that person. 
Or you say, well, that person just annoys me. Well, that person irritates me. We use that to cover up the fact that we want to kill them. But I'm not going to press that because then you get mad and you want to kill me. You know, but you will lie about that, too. You'll say, well, I don't want to kill you. You're just crazy. Jesus said the same thing. You remember he said, well, blah, 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 blah. Then why do you want to kill me? They said, you're crazy. We don't we don't want to kill you. Of course, they ended up killing him and proving him right, which is dead right, I guess. But that's really not that good, is it? Well, so moving right along here. We like to do that at which we are good. It's what we do. We like to do what we're good at. We don't like to do what we're not good at. It makes us feel stupid. It makes us feel like we have all thumbs. It makes, it makes us feel like we're dumb, that we're dumber than others. We don't like that. It doesn't match our pictures, does it? No, people who have a gift of gab love to tell stories and blab and gab and blab, right? <laughs> don't look at me when I say that. No, wait, I'm kidding. You can look at me, but... Like, you thought I didn't know that about myself? Sure, I know that. Eh, I'm a good storyteller. I like to tell stories. You like them, too. Mm -hmm. So we like to do what we're good at. Life locks us into a hypnotic stupor and leads us through it to harvest where we're finally ended. So we end up harvested. We're ended. Our life is over. It's it. It's over. All done. What'd you get? Well, I didn't get much. You know, I had a house and a job and a retirement and went on vacation to Hawaii a couple of times and had the car that I almost wanted and the husband I almost wanted and the wife I almost wanted and the kids that almost got the best grades and... Yeah. And, you know, this is this is what we get. And then you're dead. And it's like, well, that was good. So really, what got anything? Well, life got all your force and energy was sucked out of you. And you got almost a life. And the work says, you know, there's another way. And if you can value that other way, then maybe you can do it. And if you can do it, you have a chance, a possibility of developing and getting out of the net. Historically, I've encouraged each of you to expand and improve. Historically, I have encouraged you to go back to school. I've encouraged you to start businesses. I've encouraged you to buy houses. I've encouraged you to do things that stretched you. Does this sound familiar? Okay. Remember when I made made everybody, when I suggested that everybody get a ham radio license and learn Morse code and, and do that, and everybody did that? You remember that? And then you all let it lapse, and then I made two people go back and redo it because they let it lapse. You remember that? Yeah, I've got it written on my calendar, so I never forget again. Yeah, because it's valuation, people. It wasn't so much having the certificate that was important. It was doing it. It was all of the things that you needed to do, the efforts that you needed to make to remain awake, to try and do those things. And you were sharp. When you think about it, when you were studying, you were sharp. When you were working, when you were making effort, you were much sharper than you are now. Now you've gotten fat, dumb, and lazy. Literally and literally and literally fat. Literally fat. Literally dumb and literally lazy. Yes, that's very great. So you don't actually have to showcase your big gut, Rex. <laughs> you know, it's like you say fat and they go, yeah, <laughs> they're proud of it. It's like, you know, in China, that's great. Fat in China, that's great because they only get like two grains of rice a day to eat. With They only grow so much rice and there are like 20 billion people there eating it. So a fat guy has got to really be rich, you know. So he goes around showing it off anyway. We're not in China, Rex, so that doesn't help. Yeah, I know. This is America where obesity is like, we're like rampant. I mean, don't we lead the world? We probably don't, but we're close, aren't we? Close to leading the world in obesity? This is just the land of we eat too much. Well, it's not just that. We eat too much. Look, I see people who eat health food who are fat. 
So don't tell me it's just processed foods. It's we eat too much. And we, we want to justify it with, with all these other lies. The fact is, is that we eat too much. We eat more than we need because we're a consumer society and we feel entitled and we think the rest of the world owes us because we're the greatest and we don't mind taking away from them and stuffing ourselves with it. Why? Because we're selfish. That's why. Because we're young, stupid, and selfish and we don't have any sense of the world as something other than just ourselves. Well, now all the Americans are upset with me. It's all right. The people in Europe are cheering. Yeah, that's right. Down with the Americans. <laughs> Get a life. Or the Canadians, you know. The Canadians don't like us either. What is that about? I thought they liked everybody, you know. They were the kind of thing that kind of liked everybody. I and mean, then find out they don't like us. I think, oh, that's just harsh. Not even the Canadians like us. Wah, wah, wah. And, you know, I really care, too. It's really upsetting to me that uh, people don't like us, that people don't like me. Boo-hoo. So here's the deal. The hypnosis of life is very powerful. And you tend to get back into ruts or be led where life wishes you to go. So that's how come you let these things go. Look at all the things I've had you do. You know, you think about it, it's like, oh my God, over the years you have done so many things that you would never have done. How many people went to Guatemala and studied Spanish because I did? And I was like, yeah, let's go, let's go. And then I dragged people off to Guatemala or sent them down to Guatemala to study Spanish. Remember that? It was a mind-expanding experience. It was an emotion-expanding experience. It was a moving center-expanding experience, wasn't it? Going through all that stuff. There's a reason for all of that. Because I'm boring, that's why. This work is about breaking free of life's purpose for us and discovering and realizing our true meaning and purpose. Why we're really here. Why we were created. Why we exist. What we're for. It's not just to satisfy all of these stupid things in life. Because you satisfy all these stupid things in life and then you're an empty shell and you're praying for someone to come along with a mallet and crack it and break it apart so that you can find out if there's anything real inside of you. And there is something real inside of you. But like Humpty Dumpty, you've got all these pieces to deal with first. Maurice Nicole said, try to notice in yourselves where you are lacking in something in which you could be more educated. He tells how Ospensky in later years got replicas of all the great paintings of the world, beginning to feel them and develop an artistic sense. Because Ospensky was very intellectual and was trying to develop an emotional appreciation for art. He saw this about himself and he did something about it. And that's what this work leads you to do. So, I have an artificial leg. Well, what does somebody with an artificial leg do? Well, you get a bicycle and then you take a plane to Madrid with your bicycle. And you get off the plane and you put your bicycle together and you get on it and you ride out of the airport and you keep on riding and you keep on riding and you keep on riding until you cross Spain and Portugal and then you take a ferry to Africa and you ride it in Africa too. That's what you do. Why? Because that develops your moving center and a lot of other centers too, doesn't it, Steve? <laughs> It develops a lot of centers that you never knew were going to be developed. It develops your emotional center when you want to kill the person that you're with. It develops your intellectual center when you have to press yourself to speak a foreign language that you really don't know how to speak or to understand or to do things that you don't know how to do. It presses you in all kinds of ways. And yeah, it's a tough experience. It's tough, really tough. But it's what this work is about. Socrates wrote poems on death row because in a dream he was told to practice music and he didn't want to leave the world without obeying that dream in some way. And so, because he couldn't practice music there, he wrote poems. He was on death row. He was going to die. He had no time left. And he used it to develop. That is a man who was awake. That was a balanced man. That was man number four who was working. 
Because I tend toward the intellect, I bicycle toward three continents, build a house, learn to cook, ham radio operator, blah, 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 blah. Why? Why? Because I need to balance. That's what this work is about. It's about balancing our centers. It's about becoming man number four, balanced man. It's about equipoise. It's why I've talked for years about a place where we could live and learn, like Gurdjieff had in France, Ospensky and Nicole had in the UK. It's why I've talked about that. It's why I think that that is the ultimate way to do this, to have a place where people can come and stay and live and learn and be pressed in every area and have all of their centers worked on and balance them. And it can be done, and it has been done, and it needs to be done. The problem is, is you can't find anybody who wants to do it. And if you do find somebody who wants to do it, they don't want to do it enough to make it happen. They want to continue doing it the easy way. They want to continue doing it the way they're doing it, doing what they're good at, doing what's easy. A place where we could learn from one another and use every opportunity, balancing all of our centers. There's no better way to do this. It's why throughout history, this has been the model of esoteric schools and groups. Balanced man should know something about everything. Notice how you avoid what you can't do because you don't know about it. Notice how you avoid what you can't do because it makes you feel a way that you don't like feeling, makes you have unpleasant sensations. Just notice that about yourself. Try to see what centers are undeveloped in yourself. Begin to see what it means that we should aim at being number four man. Start to look and see what centers are underdeveloped or undeveloped and start to work on them. Of what are you totally ignorant? <laughs> Don't say everything. Nobody's totally ignorant of everything. That's just a sloppy answer. See what you must learn so to balance that out, moving you closer to being balanced man, equipoised. And that's what equipoised is. It's balanced. And that's what we need to be. And that's what this work is about. And that's what this thrust is for. And all this self-observation and all this dealing with self-love and all these things is all about helping us to get to the place where we can start to see, where we can actually start to look inside of ourselves and see clearly what's there without all this emotional crap going on about, oh, I'm so full of fear. Oh, I'm this. Oh, I'm that. Forget it. It's all unnecessary. All this discouragement, all this disappointment, all this fear, all this stuff is unnecessary. And when you start to see clearly and separate. It becomes silly and useless. There's no reason for it. And so you can let it go. And that's what this is about. And you can do this. You can work. And these are ways that you can work. So start to examine. Start to make a list. Examine the things that you don't know anything about and find ways to work on those things. Do it. You know, it's like there are opportunities in life all the time. I mean, when I started cooking, what was it? Somebody got cancer and said, well, what would you do? I said, well, I'd change my diet. That's the first thing I'd do. I'd change my diet. And they didn't know how to do that. So I said, well, I think I know how. And so I started to change my diet. And I started to teach other people how to change their diets. And I stuck with it, and you didn't. And you're fat, and I'm not. And there you go. The bottom line. You can't just do it a couple times and go, okay, now I'm going back to the way it was. You've got to keep balancing all the time. You've got to keep working all the time. It's not going to work any other way. You can't work in spurts. And then it, you spurt and go out here, and then life will just pull you back. Slowly, gradually, just pull you back. And you'll be either where you were or deeper. And just in case you hadn't noticed, now when you gain weight, it's harder than it's ever been before in your life to take it off. And so now you just give up. Oh, well, I'm just going to try and maintain now. You're not going to try to lose it now. You'll just maintain. Okay, I'm whipping a dead horse. I can see that now. I can tell because all the flies are getting off it. Often the practical application of these ideas sounds like it's going to be easy. The ideas sound great. 
when we actually run into a situation or a person who's being a little more difficult than we'd like, we find it's not as easy as we thought it was going to be. If you've hit a snag with some aspect of this work and its practical application in your everyday life, I invite you to write James at SolidRockVista.com. Sometimes a fresh perspective is all it takes to get us back on the right track.